Welcome to the West Virginia Writers Podcast, a service of West Virginia Writers Incorporated, the Mountain State's largest all-volunteer nonprofit organization dedicated to writers. Established and incorporated in 1977, West Virginia Writers continues to support writers in writing statewide through program sponsorship, an annual writing contest, and an annual summer writers conference. This podcast is dedicated to promoting the organization, its members, and events, as well as writers throughout Appalachia and beyond. And now, broadcasting from atop a hill in Mercer County, here is your host, Eric Fritzhughes. Thank you, Gertrude and Ola listeners. Welcome to Episode 55 of the West Virginia Writers Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Fritzhughes. As of the debut of this episode, we are now two weeks away from the 2011 West Virginia Writers Summer Conference, which will take place at Cedar Lakes Conference Center in Ripley, West Virginia. Pre-registration is still open for that, and we're continuing our video series on the West Virginia Writers blog to allow people to sample some of last year's conference. However, you can sample some of this year's conference right here today because we're interviewing one of the workshop presenters who'll be joining us at Cedar Lakes in just 14 days from now, or less, depending on when you actually hear this. Our guest is Sarah Dooley. Her first book, Livy Owen Lived Here, is a young adult novel published in August by Fywell and Friends, which is an imprint of Macmillan Press. It's a story told from the perspective of an autistic 14-year-old girl whose loving family is frequently thrown into chaos by her actions and reactions. Sarah was chosen by Publishers Weekly as a fall 2010 Flying Start author, and the book was nominated for the 2011 Young Adult Library Services Association Best Fiction for Young Adults list. When not writing, Sarah is a teacher of special needs children. She'll be teaching two workshops for us at this year's summer conference. Sarah Dooley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I, I don't know that we knew one another until recently, except through West Virginia Writers Roundtable email forum, and we met at the Writers Toolkit event in Charleston. But I feel kind of like we know sort of some of the same people, because I used to live in the Lewisburg area where you grew up, and I knew your parents, Mark and Kate Dooley, a little bit, and knew they were local writers and publishers, and they used to come to literary events in the area there, too. That's right. Um, I actually grew up in the Summersville area, but we tried to make it to as many of the local events as we could, including Lewisburg, which is the area that they live in now. Where did you go to school after after leaving the area? Uh, I, I came to Huntington to go to Marshall. I got my degree in uh, elementary and special education. So that's what you're currently doing, uh, teaching special needs children? That's right. I teach for a, a um, part-time uh, autism program. Well, I guess that brings us to your first novel, Livy Owen Lived Here, which is about an autistic 14-year-old girl. I think I may have said this on the podcast before, but I've wanted to have you on as a guest for a while now. But the major holdup on my end has been that I'd not finished reading your book. Now, I'll admit to being a terribly slow reader to begin with, but my major trouble came when I downloaded the Kindle version of your book to my phone and began reading it over breakfast one morning. And I wasn't even through with the first chapter of it before it had me in tears. And, and it wasn't like I was reading some, you know, huge, heavy emotional material there. I was just very touched by something in the first chapter, which I won't spoil here in case others would like to be touched by it as well. But I thought, well, crap, if this book can destroy me with a single sentence in chapter one, what emotional beating do I have coming to me in the rest? <laughs> However, I finally steeled my resolve and dove back in and found the book to be absolutely outstanding. Just so charming. Thank you. 
Uh, for for listeners who may not have read it yet, could you give them kind of the the jacket copy sketch of what your book is about? Sure thing. Um, Livy's it's about um, a young lady with autism who's trying to find a home for her family after an eviction she thinks is her fault. Um, there's kind of a unique story about how the book came to be written, which I found to be priceless. I found that on your website. Could you dedicate this book to your students? Could you tell us about that story? My dedication says to my student who gave me this assignment, and the reason I chose that wording is because in November of 2008, I challenged my nine students with autism and other disabilities to write for National Novel Writing Month, which is um, a project where adult writers and and young adults and children write a certain amount of words in a single month. For adults, the number is 50,000 words, and for children, they and their teachers and their parents can help them set an appropriate goal. So I challenged my class to write for National Novel Writing Month, and they, of course, quite innocently asked me, Miss Dooley, are you going to be writing? <laughs> and there wasn't any answer except yes, so I wrote with them. Well, the, the National Novel Writing Month is a pretty challenging thing for, for most people, um, and then you have the autistic factored into that. How did they do? They went above and beyond my expectations. They were fantastic. Their word goals ranged from 30 words right on up to 1,000 words, and not one of the students did not meet their goal. In fact, most of the students were able to double their goal. Once they got into the story and the story took over, they forgot about the hardship of writing, and they they got into the fun of writing. And, And it was all they talked about for months after. They couldn't wait to write sequels. They couldn't wait to edit their stories, revise their stories, illustrate their stories, and they ended up putting on a play at the local library that was a play they wrote which combined one character from each of their stories. So it it turned out to be a school year long project because they were so attached to it and so motivated by it that we just couldn't let it go. You're going to make me start crying here again. <laughs> that is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. You give that assignment to high school kids that most people would consider to have brains that function normally and they're not going to be able to pull that off. I just think about the number of people who start National Novel Writing Month, who I imagine the percentage of folks who finish is much smaller than that of those who start, but your students finished and you finished as well. And you you talked about the revision process with your students. How much did your manuscript change from your first draft to the published version? Well, it, it turned out to be really lucky for me that I taught a revision unit after we finished National Novel Writing Month. I mean, that follows as a teacher. After you teach them to write, you teach them to revise. I, on the other hand, was great at first drafts and never revised a thing. I had file after file on my computer of unrevised novels that I never I never got around to completing and revising and sending out. So when I, when I was challenged to write by my kids, I wrote. And when I was challenged to revise by my kids, I revised, and um, so my novel changed quite a lot in that it it, it became clearer and, and the structure became more sound. But it was it was in large part due to the fact that I was revising alongside my kids, just like I had written alongside them. How did your students react to you writing about an autistic character? I, I, I understand in in the book, Livy herself seems to react very positively when she encounters other people with autism. That's a good question. Um, I know a lot of a lot of kids I've taught and a lot of kids I've known have um, trouble with the word autism, both because it's a, a label that they don't necessarily want to embrace, and because it is hard to know that there is something about you that makes you different from your peers, particularly when you're a teen. 
So my students, you know, it varied from student to student how they handled the fact that I wrote about someone with autism, but it seemed in a lot of cases to be sort of uplifting, I guess, for, for kids to, to realize that this was going to be a book with a character who had a diagnosis like they had, who attended a classroom like they had, and, and dealt with some of the same issues that they did. I think in a lot of cases they saw that as a positive thing. I know for some kids on the spectrum it's hard to read about characters with autism and I certainly understand that too, but I, I think in a lot of cases it was received positively by my kids. I would think teaching kids who have autism would give you uh, a bit of an insight as to how a mind like that of your character, Livy Owens, would work. How did being a teacher in this particular class influence your book? I, I remember the day that we sat down to write, and I, I really didn't know what I was going to write. And once I started, just like I told the kids, and I wasn't sure I believed it when I told them, I said, just start writing and something will happen. Well, of course, it happened for me, too. When I started writing, it made sense that I would write about a child with autism. I was in an autism classroom, and I've also got some members of my family who are on the autism spectrum. So it, it, it sort of followed naturally that my character would have autism, but it surprises me sometimes to realize, looking back, how important that is to other people, the fact that she has autism, because there are so many different traits that this character has that, that come from so many different places in my life that... Um, Autism was just one small part of that character. Yeah, I have to admit, seeing some of, of Livy's uh, quirks and her outlooks and her concerns, uh, I could sympathize with quite a few of them, and I began to wonder if maybe I'm like a quarter autistic on my dad's side or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, from a mechanical standpoint alone, the book is really quite challenging uh, just because the, the reader's perspective on the story is primarily that of Livy herself. And Livy, for all her good intentions, doesn't always see the bigger picture around her uh, because of her autism. Uh, so the reader is sometimes left to do the math based on evidence that they see through her eyes that she may not see or, or maybe doesn't want to see. And sometimes that math isn't easy to do, as people might expect for a young adult novel. And I, I found that it's every bit a great adult novel as well. That's something that I sort of figured out as I wrote because I, w I found myself very much in Livy's head and I found it was easy to write from her perspective and it was a little bit harder to step back while in first person and manage to, to put in some insight that maybe Livy herself didn't see. And I think a lot of times she did see those issues and just didn't have the language for them and, and a way to frame those things in a way that made sense to her, which I think is the case for a lot of kids. But it was really difficult for me to step outside of Livy's head and and make sure that I was checking in with the storyline and the plot enough that things would make sense, whether you were or were not Livy. What was the uh, publication road like for Livy Owen lived here? It was, um, it was fairly atypical. I, I know that now as I've gone through the publication process with my second book. Um, I, it was, Livy was really a dream publication process. It happened very quickly. It happened a lot more easily than, than you would think, um, which is why I encourage people to, to keep sending things out and keep Stay on that path because you never know when things are just going to take off. Livy happened almost faster than I could keep up with. I wrote the book in November 2008 for National Novel Writing Month. I started revising it with my kids a couple weeks later. Um, by January, um, I think early February, I had started sending it out to agents. By March, I had been offered representation by a wonderful agent, and um, by April, she had she had found a publisher for the book. So. 
it was lightning fast. It, it, it really did leave me reeling. There are still days where I can't believe it's all real because it just happened so quickly. Um, of course, after that came revisions and after that came a lot of work. Um, but as far as the initial steps on the path to publication, it was, it was just a fairy tale. How much revision went into it after it had been accepted for publication? It went through um, a light round of revisions with my agent before she started sending it out, and it went through, um, then when it was accepted for publication, it went through uh, two or three rounds of revision with my editor. It was, it was actually a pretty light revision process, and I think that's in part due to the fact that when I wrote that book, I, I hadn't yet sold it, and so I had a lot of time to polish it before I started sending it out, and had it the way I wanted it before I started sending it out. With the second book, um, sending out a, a draft, an earlier draft, because that book had already sold before I wrote it, there was a lot more to the revision process. So I've gotten to look at it from a couple of different angles. But as far as Livy is concerned, it was, it was a um, relatively light revision process, which isn't to say that there wasn't a lot that went into it. My editor had some wonderful catches and some wonderful changes and recommendations, um, and she made it a much stronger book. But, but I'm seeing um, from the big picture standpoint that it was fairly light as revisions go. Well, I'll have you know that you may have caused trouble for me because my wife knows how much I enjoyed the book and she keeps trying to steal my phone from me so she can read it too. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of the presenters at the 2011 West Virginia Writers Summer Conference coming up in two weeks and we're pleased as punch to have you there. Have you been to any of our conferences before? I have. It's been a long time since I've been to a conference and I'm so excited that I get to go back this year. I went to... Um, two or three conferences when I was in high school and again once in college and that's the last time I went. It's been almost 10 years. Uh, I'm, I'm just so excited to go back. Tell us about the workshops you have planned for this year's conference. Well, I'm going to be teaching two workshops. Um, one is, is called You're Only Young Twice, Writing for Teens and Tweens and, and that's a workshop that's geared toward finding the rule breaker in your character because teens and tweens do have a streak of rule breaker in them and and they like to read about characters who feel the same way and it's really fun as a writer to let yourself go back to that age and write from the point of view of somebody who's still got that much fire and that much energy and that much passion for for the things that they want to do so that's going to be one of the workshops and the other is called preparing for takeoff paths to traditional publication I know there are a lot of different ways to reach publication goals. For me, I've gone the route of finding an agent and with that agent's help finding a publisher and that has, has worked very well for me. So I'm going to talk people through my journey to publication and hopefully inspire people to continue on whatever path to publication they may take. Excellent. And we uh, recommend folks uh, check out the website at our wvwriters.org for all the information about all the workshops we're going to be offering at our summer conference coming up in two weeks. It's not too late to pre-register at this point. We're still going through the 30th of the month. Uh, one of the things I like to ask people who come on the podcast is recipes, about their recipes. Uh, not their favorite broccoli chicken casserole, but what we're talking about is the ingredients that went into you as a person that make you the creative soul or the writer you are today. And this could be anything from favorite books to CDs, movies, to even your upbringing. What would you consider to be some of the ingredients in your recipe? I really don't think that my sisters and I could have grown up to be anything that did not include writing, um, given the, the colorful and wonderful childhood that we had. We grew up um, 
on a farm for a while, in town for a while, here and there. And before the age of 18, I had lived in uh, 20, I think it's 24 different places. Um, that number is somewhere in the 50s now, but I'm trying not to count. I, I think the fact that I was raised by two writers, had two older sisters who were writers, and and grew up looking at everything as story, not as problem, not as, oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to figure this out? But this is a story, and what's going to happen next? And, oh, I want to keep turning the page, even though this was not fiction, this was real life. I was raised to look at everything as though it were a story, as though I were a character living it, and, and everything had to do with books and and characters and finding the adventure in life. Where, did you grow up in a house without much television? I did. Um, we We didn't have a TV a lot of the time. Sometimes we didn't, sometimes we didn't. When we had a television, we tended to have one or two favorite shows that we were completely obsessed with, but we weren't people who sat around and watched TV all day. We would watch those specific shows that, that we adored. Who And it was usually a show that was very character-driven, had great storylines and, and lots of adventure, just like the books we like to read. Um, as far as sitting around and watching a lot of TV, we, we usually didn't have a TV, and we were usually outside from sunup to sundown. I think a big part of what made me a writer is um, the fact that when I was 11, my mother answered an ad in the paper for a local writing group, um, an informal meeting of the pens, the ad said. And we drove over one day to attend this writer's meeting. I was 11, my sisters were 13 and 15, and, and we headed over and it turned out to be Joy Lackey running this, this um, writing group. So every month, Thereafter, we would sit around Joy's Kitchen and um, with some wonderful local writers in the area, um, Roberta Woods, Margaret Weinbrenner, and uh, just some wonderful writers, including my mother, Kate Dooley. And we would just sit around and, and write and read, and they never treated us like children attending with our mother. They treated us like writers who had come to this group to participate, and, and we were never excluded. We participated in writing and critiquing, and so I was sort of raised as a writer by all of these people and, and then taught to find that story and write it down wherever it may be. I wanted to ask you about Joy Lackey because uh, some of our members or some of our listeners might not know the name, but she was a poet and a prose writer, the author of the book Ghosts on Buffalo Creek. And I only ever knew her through the West Virginia Writers Roundtable and from meeting her several times at summer conferences, but she was a very colorful figure who passed away this past year. And I knew at the time your mother on the roundtable spoke very highly of her importance to your family. And uh, I knew that, that she was a major force in your, your writing life. She definitely was. She, she was definitely um, family and, and a, a big part of the voice of the characters in my head sound a lot like Joy with that, that sweet way she had of talking that would turn a phrase you didn't expect and startle you. She, she truly was a spectacular writer, and if you haven't read Ghosts on Buffalo Creek, I highly recommend it. Um, but I do, I do attribute a lot, of, a lot of the fact that I'm a writer, not just to my mother and my father and my sisters all being writers, but also to Joy being there and giving me new perspectives and, and new words that she was able to find that inspired me. Your first book is just a few months old here, and you already have another one scheduled for release that you had mentioned a little bit earlier. It's now available for pre-order, and I believe the title is Body of Water? That's right. When is that scheduled for publication? That will be out in late October this year. 
And what's it about? It is um, from the point of view of a young lady who is starting seventh grade from a campground because her family is homeless after a house fire. Well, Sarah, we're going to look forward to seeing you at the summer conference this year and attending your workshops. And I thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule to come on the podcast. Thanks so much. Sarah Dooley can be found online at Dooley Noted Books, with Dooley, of course, spelled like her name, D-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also read her blog at swdooley.blogspot.com or sarahdooley.livejournal.com. We also have a video clip of Sarah speaking at Texas A&M University on our website, and we will have those links, plus links to where you can buy her book, Livy Owen Lived Here, as well as pre-order her new book, Body of Water, at our website, podcast.wvwriters.org. Our opening voiceover was provided by Marcus Vowell. Our show's theme music is used with permission by its composer, Pops Walker, who will be playing live on July the 2nd at the Gadino Wine Cellars in Washington, Virginia, which will be an afternoon of music with singer Kevin Martin, who you might remember he played with at last year's summer conference. Pops will be appearing at the Wisteria Vineyard and Farm in Stanley, Virginia, August 13th from 5 until 7. This podcast has been a production of Mr. Herman's Production Company Limited and was recorded, as always, atop a hill in Mercer County.